Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Before we get into uh, our wrestling talk for the evening in this Monday uh, edition, our Raw pregame show. Um, unfortunately, this past weekend, uh, the wrestling world, the wrestling family, and uh, more specifically, the wrestling uh, on fire family uh, lost a member. Uh, a true legend uh, in, in the sport of pro wrestling. Uh, we lost uh, Angelo Savoldi, died at the the age of 99 before he passed on. He was uh, considered the oldest living professional wrestler. Uh, he had been wrestling for quite some time, born in 1914. Uh, he was a man who wrestled the likes of Vern Gagne, Arnold Scotland, uh, Stu Hart, Antonino Rocca, uh, a true legend. Uh, some of the things that he accomplished uh, in his life uh, he won the Art Abrams Lifetime Achievement Award in 2003 at the Cauliflower Alley Club. He's in the NWA Hall of Fame, the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, as well as the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. Uh, a true legend in the sport. Uh, very sorry uh, to have him pass. Uh, unfortunately, I never had the privilege and honor of meeting him, but I heard uh, many stories from the Savoldi family, and uh, this weekend having a couple of shows uh, with the Savoldis with Wrestling on Fire, uh, you could see the hurt in their eyes uh, with the passing of the patriarch of the Savoldi family. So rest in peace, uh, Angelo Savoldi, and to all those in the Savoldi family, as well as those in the Wrestling on Fire family, and everyone in the wrestling community um, condolences go out to each and every one of you affected by this. Uh, we'd like to honor him right now in the uh, long honor tradition in pro wrestling. Angelo Savoldi died at the age of 99. Rest in peace.
And you've tuned in to the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Thank you all for tuning in. You know, it, never, it never gets easy doing those uh, spots on the show, but um, again, all the best out to the Savoldi family in this difficult, difficult time. Uh, for those of you who might want to pay your respects, just to let everyone know, the wake for Savoldi will be held tomorrow, that's Tuesday, September 24th, between the hours of 4 p.m. At, and 8 p.m. at the Par Troy Funeral Home, 95 Parsippany Road in Parsippany, New Jersey. Again, that is the Par Troy Funeral Home, 95 Parsippany Road in Parsippany, New Jersey, if you'd like to pay your respects. And I'd like to thank you all for tuning in and indulging us there a bit at the beginning of the show. This is the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. And we're here with our Monday night pregame show for Monday Night Raw. You can go over to Facebook.com. Uh, that's Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. We got a, a show chat going on right now on the page. So if you want to talk on there, by all means, jump on the Facebook. We're at Twitter. Our handle on Twitter is at The Ken Reedy Show. You can check us out there on Twitter. And, of course, you can always go over to our website. That is TheKenReedyShow.com. So much going on right now in the WWE. Daniel Bryan, the general managers, the power structure going on, the insurgency going on, the, the title is is vacated right now. Everything is going haywire in the WWE, and we're going to try and make heads or tails out of everything going on, as always, to try and help you and me and everyone else sort out everything that's going on in the WWE, my tag team partner on the line. Dave, how are you doing this evening? Yes, it is I, Dave Rosenbluth, the co-host of the Ken Reese Show, and I'm doing wonderful, and I am here because it's best for business. <laughs> Good stuff. You know, it's amazing because, you know, we talk about everything going on, and, and the WWE you know, to, to coin a phrase, kind of firing on all cylinders right now. Most of what they're doing, at least in, in this wrestling fan's opinion, is working right now. Daniel Bryan, super over. You got the evil boss. You almost got the evil boss's henchman and Randy Orton. You got now the insurgency of, of all these other people deciding they've had enough of, of the latest Triple H regime in the WWE you got fights breaking out everywhere. You got the shield mowing people down. All this stuff back and forth. Everything is going crazy, and there's so much stuff going on. And then you just add into the mix. Let's go to Chicago and bring back CM Punk. Tonight's Raw promises to be a very interesting and quite an exciting Raw. That crowd is always pumped. We did not see CM Punk last week. Coming home tonight. In fact, they actually have special T-shirts at the event tonight uh, commemorating CM Punk's Raw this evening. So there are shirts specifically for tonight uh, at Monday Night Raw for CM Punk's homecoming. We're going to obviously, I'm guessing we're going to see, see CM Punk address Heyman and the issues going surrounding him and everything going on in that storyline. You know, it's amazing to me, Dave, with everything else going on, just the return of CM Punk. And it's not like he's been absent a while, but this really is shaping up to be quite an exciting Raw. Oh, yeah. Chicago crowd's always hot. Uh, you know, anytime they do a pay-per-view or any kind of you know, television program, um, 
it always is out there the the crowd is like a character itself they they add more to the to the show to the presentation of the pay-per-view um they're more excited more rambunctious so it should be for a good three hours tonight with cm punk the hometown boy uh you know like you said he hasn't been gone for long he only missed one week of tv um but putting him you know out here uh, you know, in the ring on television in Chicago, it's a good thing. I think he'll be a focal point of the show, um, for you know, in, in in multiple ways with the Ryback storyline. I wouldn't be surprised if, in some small, you know, form or fashion, and I'm just taking a guess, but if you remember last year on Monday Night Raw, the, uh, there was that Monday Night Raw from Chicago around this time of year. I'm stumbling over my words. I apologize. And CM Punk was the WWE champion, and he had a storyline going into, I believe, Night of Champions with John Cena. And he was a heel. And it was the night that they revealed that him and Paul Heyman were, like, together. Like, that Paul Heyman was driving the car that hit John Cena. That, or the, I forget how the whole thing came about, but it was basically revealed that Punk and Heyman were together. They were a unit. And it was in the building. And they took Punk out of the actual, you know, in-ring matches itself, he, I think he was scheduled to wrestle Sheamus, and he, like, just got up and quit, and he kind of drew a little bit, heat, bit of heat from his hometown crowd. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Paul Heyman somehow, you know, coordinated that CM Punk is banned from the building. Maybe he gets a restraining order, and Punk's not allowed in the building, and then it kind of builds up throughout most of the show, and then maybe at the end he comes out and, and jumps on Ryback or Axel or whoever, but... Um, to kind of add more juice to this storyline, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Punk's not in the present in the building for most of the show, but it builds to a fever pitch towards you know later on, and then he you know he he comes out and the crowd goes crazy and something happens, but it, it will definitely add some intensity and more fuel to the fire with the story with uh, Paul Heyman, and now with the addition of Ryback. Agreed, and let, let's like dissect this a little bit. This whole storyline that that's been going on. I mean, it is, you know, since Heyman's been involved, and and you know, we can't really say enough good things about what Heyman has brought to the table. And you really bring up some good points, Dave, because this is like a storyline that essentially has been going a year plus. Right? When we look at Heyman's involvement, Heyman and Punk getting together, um, you know, that, them kind of having their run the turn, and consequently now uh, coming back to Chicago with CM Punk and Paul Heyman uh, at odds with each other. Um, and now like an interesting coupling, a coupling that uh, uh, very positive as far as Ryback and, and, and Heyman uh, definitely breathes new life into the, uh, the Ryback character, um, you know, and, and this saga that has continued to unfold between CM Punk and Paul Heyman. Um, it's interesting when you look at Ryback and where, I don't know about you, Dave, but I would have thought that like the storyline would have gone in the direction of the mastermind, the master manipulator, the man who has an answer for just about everything. Paul Heyman had this master plan in place that if, if he was going to get uh, beat down, that he had the ace in the hole, that Ryback was going to come down and save him. Interesting twist on this storyline that they're alluding to, Ryback did this on his own, and now they're kind of 
Uh, Heyman and Ryback are kind of the best of friends. Uh, sealed a little smooch on the cheek from Heyman to Ryback. Uh, interesting spot, but uh, I like it. I just curious, like, do we do we go in the direction of having another Ryback CM Punk program for a limited amount of time? Uh, what direction are they go in? But I did find it interesting, Dave, that it was Ryback who decided to save Heyman, and it wasn't Heyman having a master plan in place. Yeah, I mean, I think they could go a few different ways by that explanation. One, I think Ryback could at some point realize, you know, okay, I haven't been really doing so well on my own, and, uh, you know, this guy has done wonders for guys like CM Punk and Brock Lesnar, and maybe, maybe aligning myself with him and making myself a Paul Heyman guy without him having to choose me would definitely, you know, uh, add more value to my stock in the in the landscape of the WWE. I mean, that's something maybe that, you know, he could allude to. He's not really that bright, so I don't think he's going to say all that stuff. But needless to say, um, that's one of the possibilities they can go with this. I mean, do I do I see Ryback CM Punk short term? Yeah, absolutely. I think whoever Heyman throws at at CM Punk is is, is going to be that program for the time being. I think this is going to build for a while. I mean, we I, I said it last, on last week's show. Punk said he will do anything and go after anybody that Heyman throws at him to get to him. Well, this is another obstacle. Uh, he got through Axel. Now Ryback is another obstacle. I think another way they can they can explain this is, quite frankly, Ryback and CM Punk have never, you know, they have a, a pretty decent rivalry at the beginning of, you know, late last year at the beginning of this year, and they can always play that up and use explanations that, you know, Ryback won his revenge on CM Punk for screwing him out of the title, even though that Punk didn't necessarily screw him out of the title. It was really the Shield and Paul Heyman, you know, they, they can always make up an explanation as to why Ryback would want to go after CM Punk. I just think that um, it makes sense right now. And I like the pairing between the two because Ryback, is kind of, we talked about last week, he was kind of, you know, drifting up, drifting away and they were trying to find certain things to do with him. But this works. And I, I think I think they're going to go with the explanation that he was he, Ryback was looking for guidance from a guy like Paul Heyman because he sees what Paul Heyman can bring to the table. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the best heels are the ones that don't have to explain too much. He could, he could come out and just say, I did it because I don't like CM Punk, plain and simple. And, you know, a lot of heels, a really good heel is the one that, you know, that doesn't have a reason for, for, for doing something dastardly. They just do it because they're, they're bad people. And this could be a case where Ryback could just say, I just did it because I don't like CM Punk. Plain and simple, bottom line, end of discussion. So those are my, that's my thoughts and opinion on, on how, this, how this goes. But I think it, it certainly keeps Punk busy, and it helps Ryback because um, he's done some great work with Punk. I mean, Punk, Punk had a lot of a big part in, in the matches and the feud that they had um, last year, and they worked really well together. They had good chemistry. So I think, um, I think this is good things for both CM Punk and Ryback. I would agree. You know, the interesting thing about this this whole storyline, it definitely breeds new life into the Ryback character. And, you know, I mean, who knows where they're going to go with it? Uh, who knows where they're going to go tonight? I mean, for me, if I'm if I'm fantasy booking at some point, I, I really want to see uh, Ryback lay out CM Punk and just get, like, you know, as much heat as possible with that Chicago crowd. Um, but we'll, we'll see what, what happens. Um 
but it's definitely going to be a rambunctious crowd tonight. Uh, there's going to be a loud place, a uh, high energy uh, situation uh, going on tonight. Would not even be surprised if, uh, you know, like you said, they, they could go in the direction of him being banned from the building, uh, or maybe we see CM Punk open the show. Or maybe we see CM Punk's music hit, and then we see Heyman uh, wheel out and cut a promo, um, you know, stating he's banned CM Punk. Uh, there's so many directions they can go in, and it's interesting because you look at right now, and, and you know, to to get a little prediction in the way, but we're going to get to that. But it as look, the internet's going to blow up, but I would not be surprised as as things evolve over time that we do actually see the Daniel Bryan CM Punk main event for the WWE title at WrestleMania 30 this year. I the way things are are looking and shaping up would not shock me. I think they're moving in that direction, but that's pure speculation on my part. But I agree with you. I think this is a good short-term program to get uh, a CM Punk through the rest of the year. Uh you know, I I would bet that like by the end of the year, maybe the beginning of the next, we finally have uh some sort of resolution with the CM Punk, um, Paul Heyman, Ryback saga. Um, and then we head into WrestleMania season. And I think that's where uh, you'll see CM Punk or, you know, Daniel Bryan or both or whatever f- refocus uh, at the, the WWE title. Um, so I do think this is definitely, we don't need a long program with Ryback. Um, this is definitely a good uh, kind of through the rest of the year kind of program that we can see. Uh, Go on. What's interesting with this is as we talk about this program and how it's continuing to unfold, and we talk about how great Heyman has been and how, you know, CM Punk was great, but Heyman brought him to the stratosphere. Heyman lifted him, obviously. Um, you have a guy like Ryback now that Heyman quite possibly could be rescuing that man's career. Um, the interesting aspect that I find in, in this storyline and very curious to see what direction they go in, is, you know, I was very optimistic, again, with all the positivity surrounding a Paul Heyman, what Paul Heyman was going to do for Curtis Axel. Um, Obviously, a guy that's gifted in the ring, um, we can debate on, you know, we talked about it, maybe not the best look, but solid worker, mediocre talker, does not quite have that charisma uh, that his dad had, not a horrible talker, but not a great talker. Um, So that alliance with Heyman, you definitely kind of saw, all right, this is really good for Curtis Axel. Curtis Axel is definitely going to excel in this partnering. Now, the other night you saw Curtis Axel wheeling Heyman down, um, so we 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 don't have uh, at least right now they haven't hinted at a a fracturing in that relationship. Um, I'm just curious, and and I'm and honestly, Dave, I'm kind of at a loss when I look at this storyline for all the positivity that's coming out of it. If I were to criticize or at least speculate, some lost in this whole thing is at least at this point, is Curtis Axel and where exactly you go with his character. And, you know, it seems like right now we're going to see a Ryback CM Punk thing. Heyman obviously has his issues. Where do you, you slot in a Curtis Axel? 
uh, in that case, I mean, I think right now he's just going to be kind of, you know, uh, he's going to be a prop for, for, for this for a little while. He's going to, he's going to be fed CM Punk, you know, for a few, uh, you know, segments or matches or whatever, maybe, you know, to build up towards his match with Ryback, uh, you know, at the, at the next pay-per-view, if they decide to do it the next pay-per-view. However, um, I think for a while he'll be a prop and he'll be, you know, the the bitch, you know, wheeling Paul Heyman around. And at some point it's going to get to the point where, you know, he's fed up and you know, maybe he loses the Intercontinental title. And then that's the slow decline of Curtis Axel and the Paul Heyman relationship. And then maybe we'll see Curtis Axel become a baby face down the line and he'll have, he'll have a run with Ryback. Um, who knows? But that's that's where I see it kind of going. I just don't know how long it's going to take to get there at some point. I kind of thought maybe that would have happened last night, considering the the um, I'm sorry, not last night, last Monday night, um, considering the, the the talk he had with Axel the night before the pay per view. However, the explanation was a little different. Um, but I think we'll see more of you know Heyman and Ryback kind of you know getting friendlier and friendlier as the weeks go on, and maybe we'll see some of those seeds of jealousy. And over time, Axel will uh, you know finally start to get fed up with it and uh, branch out on his own and possibly become a babyface. That that's where I see it going. What'd you think of the 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 kiss? That was kind of an, an awkward moment. That was a little yeah, that was a little awkward. But you know what? I kind of it. it, it it was awkward, but it also it also really intensified like the the dark creepiness of not only Ryback but more importantly of Paul Heyman. Um, that they you know how Ryback like his reaction because he enjoyed it so much and Heyman and just the, the chemistry that the two of them had, especially you know before and after that that kiss on the cheek. I it was a little weird, but it just it, it to me it came off like. You know, he's so dark and twisted and screwed up from, you know, what CM Punk has done to him and what he has done to CM Punk that, you know, nothing is off limits with Paul Heyman. And he's kind of brought that, you know, um, that that formula to uh, to Ryback. So that, that, that's, that's where I see the uh, the kiss um, that, that, that the Internet has been uh, buzzing about. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. I saw someone. I mean, it's amazing what the guys can do on the internet. But someone had a, a Brokeback Mountain poster uh, with with Heyman and uh, Ryback's pictures on it. So it was, that was pretty funny stuff. But uh, you know, it's, I mean, it, it's cool with this storyline because I do. Again, I, I I do think that we're going to see. You know, don't get too excited out there just in case it doesn't happen. But you know, evolve into that that main event that I think. You know, just about. You know, everyone would like to see at WrestleMania. Um, but I like that this storyline right now is keeping CM Punk separate from the Daniel Bryan corporate uh, battle that's that's going on. I mean, it's 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 interesting how you have this you know corporate takeover and this best for business storyline, and Daniel Bryan just uh, you know being torn apart by a. The, the new regime in place and, and now uh, an insurgency and, and you know, the, the WWE title being vacant and all this other stuff going on. And really and truly, we don't, you know, Heyman doesn't really comment on that. I mean, he's had his interactions with Triple H, but for the most part, this storyline has remained very separate from the main storyline that's been going on in the WWE. And I think that's great. 
I think that does this storyline a great service. I think it helps to keep it fresh. I think it also helps keep the corporate storyline fresh because you get a break from it um, during the night, and it's a good storyline. It's an engaging storyline. It's something as a fan you want to get into. So as much as they are doing a lot, and granted, the central storyline is Triple H, COO, uh, and the WWE title, and Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton, and that's that's really the, the central storyline running through most of Monday Night Raw. But you get that that great Paul Heyman, CM Punk, now Ryback thing that kind of gives you a break and pulls you out of that for a little while. Um, you know, and, and what what's added to it is the fact that you got a guy like Paul Heyman that, you know, arguably, you know, if you're if you were to say to me right now that the best the best talker, period, number one, the best talker in the business is Paul Heyman, I'm not gonna argue with you. Uh, he's he's right up there. He's engaging. He knows how to cut a promo. He knows how to piss off the crowd. And I do think, Dave, that it's been really good the way they've kept this kind of separate from everything else. I, we could probably speculate at some point we're going to see, again, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan's paths cross. If not, CM Punk and Triple H's paths cross. Uh, but I like the fact that it's kind of been a separate entity. Yeah, no, I think it's great because I think that at some point down the line, CM Punk, because of the the um, the, the the brashness and the attitude in his character, I think it's going to fit well down the line with this corporate storyline with Triple H. So they're you know they're going to get him and Heyman out of the way, you know, maybe for the rest of the year, but then going into the new year, maybe he'll have some involvement with the with the. Um, the new uh, the the new regime storyline and uh, you know he, he he's he's had some good chem- some good matches with Randy Orton we've never seen him mix it mix it up with the Shield before so that that will be something fresh uh, maybe he'll come in as an ally of Daniel Bryan's who knows but I like how they've separated it I think it's good and I think it's done for the purpose that they want CM Punk eventually a part of it but they just want it to feel fresh and new and then when he gets involved it's like boom wow nobody saw it coming. So that's, I think that's good. And another reason why I think that they kept it fresh and and uh, and separate from each other is, you know, Triple H has acknowledged that, you know, he has history with Heyman and Heyman's clients, and, you know, he's not really too fond of Heyman. And I like how that they haven't really done any kind of special favors for Heyman. You see, a lot of times when guys turn heel or babyface, you know, four or five months down the line, they're either tag teaming or aligning with somebody that they had had a, a, a bloody rivalry with, you know, a few months prior. So I kind of like how they've acknowledged, you know, some history between a lot of these characters. And I, the one thing that puzzles me, though, I will say this, um, is that, you know, last Friday night in SmackDown, Triple H kind of played the, you know, fair and impartial, you know, COO. Um towards a lot of the guys, especially at the at the end of that gauntlet match with Van Dam and the Shield and how things just kinda of change. I'm I'm kinda of curious as to why he switched it up like that and where they're gonna go why they're gonna go if they're gonna go in that direction, if he's gonna just be a, a clean and neat, fair and impartial, I don't think they are, but um I'm just kinda of curious why the switch. Is there a reason behind it? Is he afraid somebody's, you know, from upper management is watching him? I don't know, but I just found that to be very interesting that he went from like one instant to another right in the right in the middle of the show, 
and just kind of kind of threw you off a little bit. But I'm hoping that by him throwing the audience off and throwing myself off, that that means that there will be some bigger payoff down the line as to why he, you know, kind of changed his attitude, so to speak. Yeah, and it's been, you know, we got to, you know, right now this is working for me. Um, you know, we were – we were critical, and, and I, you know, honestly, and I believe in the beginning, rightfully so, but uh, with the, the addition of these three-hour Raws, um, you know, really, you know, in my opinion, and I'm not going to go back on it, they, they fumbled through uh, the initial uh, three-hour Raws, and, uh, you know, where I was wrong is I, I didn't think it would work. Um, but with what they've done with this storyline, with, like we said, keeping the... Uh, CM Punk, Ryback, Heyman story kind of separate from the main storyline. And then, you know, throwing in your your little things going on. You got, a, you know, Santino coming back, which, you know, talk about a guy that's over that you don't expect to be over. I mean, Santino's over, you know, and there's, there's a little little storyline going on right now with the, the real Americans. Who know where exactly that's going to go, but it's been kind of fun, kind of stuck in the middle of things. Um, it's been interesting. Uh, you know, and, and the crowd just, they love Santino. I mean, I love Santino, too. Uh, but that's been interesting. So I, I i do think they've done a really nice job at kind of evolving the product, getting to a point where they have enough storylines to kind of keep it relevant, keep you engaged, um, you know, for the three hours. Do, do they hit the mark each and every time? No, but what entertainment venue hits the mark each and every time? Um, I do think they've done like a really nice job at, at getting these three-hour raws, where you know you're not looking at your clock every minute, wondering uh, when the hell this is going to end. And to be honest, like there were times in, when the three-hour raws started, where I, I'd look at the clock and it would be you know like 8:30, and I'd be like, oh my god, when is you know I can't believe I got two and a half more hours of this, but. Uh, right now, I think the three hours have been very, very enjoyable, and, and kudos to uh, the WWE for uh, giving us some some interesting viewing right now. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. We got the fifty fifty day five news break coming up right now, and then we're going to hit your phone calls right after the break. So, without further ado, here's the day five fifty fifty news report. Thank you very much, Ken. This is the Day 5 News Report, only heard every Monday night here at the Ken Reedy Show. Our top story and first story this week, ProWrestlingInsider.com reports that WWE announcer Tony Dawson has left the company. Dawson had worked with NXT television and also hosted segments for the WWE app during SmackDown. Prior to his signing, Dawson was a lead television announcer for the St. John's University Television Network. No explanation was given as to why Dawson had departed with the WWE. Former ECW original and former WWE superstar Tommy Dreamer has landed a role in the horror film Self Storage, which has been released on iTunes prior to its DVD release. The synopsis of the movie is a self-storage watchman invites his friends for a wild night of girls and booze. As partiers start disappearing, the survivors must outsmart a mastermind who is behind all of these disappearances. Our third story, Rey Mysterio returned to a WWE live event last night in Hedal, 
Hidalgo, Texas, sporting a crutch for his injured knee, announcing to fans that he returns to action on October 16th when WWE kicks off its tour of Mexico. In some related news regarding Rey Mysterio, it has been rumored that once he returns to WWE television, Ricardo Rodriguez will be his manager. In our fourth story, former WWE superstar Nick Dinsmore, a.k.a. Eugene, has been hired by the WWE as a trainer for its performance center in Orlando, Florida this week. Eugene was once a trainer in Ohio Valley Wrestling when it was a developmental territory of the WWE. Our fifth and final story this week. At Saturday night's TNA event in Tucson, Arizona, a fan tried to attack one half of bad bad influence Frankie Kazarian as he and Christopher Daniels were leaving the ring. The fan threw a beer at Kazarian and attempted to go after him, but was quickly subdued by security and removed from the venue. James Storm, perhaps realizing the incident was going down, took the mic to cut a promo to take attention away from the incident. Folks, Wrestling on Fire, Me TV, every Friday night at 11 p.m. The man on the marquee of this show, Ken Reedy, is your host for all the action for Wrestling on Fire. Check it out, Me TV, Friday nights, 11 p.m. And season nine of The Gun Show is in full swing. The hijinks of one El Rotundo Genioso, Skeeboff, and that crazy barbarian are in full effect. Check it out, YouTube slash The Gun Show Web TV. And there you have it. That, my friends, was the Day 5 News Report, only heard every Monday night here on the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, back to you. Thanks, Dave. Good stuff. Good news report, as always. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Yeah, be sure to go over and check out Wrestling on Fire. Um, It's heating up. Things are getting kind of crazy over there uh, with the ECPW and Wrestling on Fire merger. So definitely uh, go like the Wrestling on Fire page on Facebook and... uh, Come check us out. Come see me at one of our live shows. Uh, we'll hang out. We'll talk wrestling, and then then I'll have to work. But come on, come on over early. Uh, come to one of our shows. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. We are going to go right out to the phones right now because we got Tony on the line. Tony, are you there? Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, what's up? What you got for us tonight? Uh, let's, uh, well, let's see what you've been talking about. Let's we got raw tonight. Um, I guess last let's see. I did watch it last week. Um, thought the show was kind of it, it wasn't bad, you know. I was talking, you know, everything I'm saying with uh, Paul Heyman and uh, you know Ryback. I think you know it's definitely doing. Uh, it, it's like I say, Ryback uh, having Heyman as a manager is definitely helping him, helping him out. And um, you know, as for what um, Curtis Axel will do, uh, you know, like I say, I, I, I think I think they're on Raw like. I don't think Curtis Axel was on the stage at the whole throughout the whole promo because I think he because I know he was you know, like you know Heyman's been saying to Ryback is this is best buddy and his hero and everything and I yeah I can I can eventually definitely like what you were saying I could see Curtis Axel you know asking Heyman hey how come it's all about you know Ryback and been you know he's being pushed to the side I, I can definitely see a face turn coming for, for him from that now as for as for a punk yeah like you say you know like. He and Ryback had a match in at last year's Hell in a Cell. Will they, you know, will they have a rematch this year? In the, you know, at the Hell in a Cell, and I mean, that, I mean, the depth of the direction they can go in. I mean, there's there's so many directions. Um, 
Yeah, do do you like? I mean, you think the pairing though right now with Heyman and Ryback is a good one? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think it's you know like I said because Ryback wasn't really getting anywhere, um, just being the being the backstage guy who was just you know bullying people or whatever you know. So I I think I think having him be with Heyman is uh, you know is, is definitely good is definitely good for him. You know, as way like I said so last week can have Heyman be his you know like Heyman be the it's guy who does most of the talking. <laughs> it is what's best for business. It, it is what's best for, for business. I agree. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, right yeah, now, I mean, yeah. it, it's interesting. But when you say best for business, I mean, I'll be honest. You know, right now, Heyman is best for business. I mean, it seems like wherever they want to stick this guy, um, you know, he's he's good. You know, he's going to help the product. That's the only thing that that's weird though is the fact that you know you you do feel like when you watch Heyman and what Heyman can do. That, you know, he he could make anyone. He really could make a star to anyone, and that's what's been interesting to me. That Curtis Axel has kind of fallen by the wayside, and, and I'm kind of curious uh, how that's going to unfold over over the long term. Um, you know, do they they does he go away and they repackage him again? Uh, you know, it, it's kind of weird right now what they're doing uh, with Curtis Axel because. Uh, you know, like Davey said, it's best for business, and you got to think if you're Curtis Axel, like, yes, Heyman's my manager. This is, this is my ticket. I'm gonna be a star now, and he's kind of a footnote. I mean, any any time he had any sort of confrontation with uh, CM Punk, Punk kind of made him uh, his bitch. Uh, you know, right now he's second fiddle now to uh, Ryback, and he's back there with his IC title pushing the wheelchair. So that's that's. The only aspect that I kind of question, um, but I'm I'm curious, Tony, are you surprised with how the Curtis Axel character has evolved under Paul Heyman? Uh, kind of yes and no, because you know it's like I guess you know like I said when you you know guys someone's managed by Heyman, it's it definitely definitely helps uh, helps your career in a way. But you know like I say it's not you know but like you said you know he, he's not he wasn't really like getting the big, like the big push that you know I thought he, you know, I thought he was going to start there, you know that he was going to get when they first paired him with Heyman but um so you know like I say you know like I, say, I think Curtis Axel like you say he's he, he's solid in the ring he's decent on the mic you know and I I think being with you know being with Heyman has kind of helped him out just but you know yeah like I say you know being punk uh, punk's uh you know just being uh, the guy who takes the CM Punk beatings is kind of, you know was I mean it was kind of predictable but you know it's, it's um so I, I mean, it, I guess it's been kind of like hit and miss with uh, you know Hax, uh, Axel being with Heyman. You know, I mean, kind of like you know, I guess like I say, Heyman, you know, Heyman is you know Heyman is, is is like you said the best guy going in the business right now, promo wise. And there's, I can say so as far as what the you know, like Axel, if, they, if uh, I don't know if they if they if they turn him face, what they're gonna do? You know, it's like if they have him aligned with Punk or what they're gonna do? Because you know, that. I'm gonna become weird. What are, what are you looking forward to out of tonight's RAW? Out of all the stuff that's going on right now, a lot of uh, things swirling about in the WWE. What are you looking forward to tonight? Probably the follow up to to uh, to that. You know, seeing Punk. Uh, you know, see, you know, just hearing what he's got to say, or even like what you were saying. You know, it's like maybe like at the, at the start of the show, we get you know, like his musical play, and then you know, like Heyman and Ryback will come out, and then you know, something like that. You know, because I. I, I it's, it's, um, you know, like I said, the whole CM Punk Paul Heyman storyline has been has been really 
to, 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 you know, my my favorite uh, part of WWE, and it's and I think, you know, and it is good that they keep it separate from uh, from the uh, main story from the main story because it's it's like it's, it's yeah I've, I've been enjoying this one. I've been enjoying this one you know the, the Punk Heyman the Punk Heyman uh, feud here it's been uh, you know like I said it's, it's my it, it, it's 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 the best part of WWE right now in my you know, my mind. Yeah, I mean, it just it adds like legit drama, you know. And and Paul Heyman has been so good at at uh, facilitating this father son relationship and how uh, you know the prodigal son betrayed him. And uh, it's it's just been good drama. It's been good uh, storytelling on on both their parts. And uh, I'm excited to see you know how this unfolds with the really really hot crowd uh, out there in Chicago. So. Um, you know, switching gears a little bit, Tony, I am curious, uh, you know, with, with everything that's going on with the WWE title and Daniel Bryan, and now, uh, you know, the, the locker room kind of rebelling against the powers that be. Uh, any speculation on what you think we'll see uh, tonight out of that storyline? Uh, probably more of the same. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I did enjoy the end of last week when they were like the like the baby faces finally hit the ring and you know helped Daniel Bryan out. I thought that was I thought that was really well done. But, um, yeah, as, as what they're gonna you know, how they're gonna follow that up tonight. I mean, they pretty much they, well, they followed that up on SmackDown with the whole thing with the uh, the Shield and the other guys or whatever. What was they 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 kind of followed it up there. But I don't know if they're gonna help me. I'm sure we'll do more tonight or whatever. And, you know, Triple H and Stephanie will do something, you know, will do something heelish or whatever, and, you know, and, uh, you know, like I say, you know, I, I kind of had a feeling that, you know, Triple H was going to, uh, yeah, take, you know, strip Brian of the belt because of, uh, what, you know, what happened at the pay-per-view, and I knew he was, you know, it's like, I mean, it was kind of, you know, I, the belt being held up is, eh, I'm okay with it. I mean, I guess it's a little better than if he had handed it right back to Randy Orton, but, uh, I don't know. But I mean, I just if, you know, I just hope they don't keep having Daniel Bryan win the title and then have Triple H keep yanking it from him every time because it's just gonna, you know, it's gonna be like, you know, we'll just. I, I would agree with you. I mean, I think that they've 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 done that. That that horse, that dead horse has been beaten. Um, you know, and it's still exciting. It, it is interesting because uh, you do feel like a lot of these raws, as much as it was, it was exciting to see the locker room uh, empty, but a lot of these shows lately have been ending. Uh, with some sort of beatdown of of Daniel Bryan, and either Daniel Bryan in some way, shape, or form is able to prevail, or he gets his ass kicked. So it's been a, you know, it's been exciting. It's been fun. Uh, careful about being redundant and and uh, repeating the same formula uh, one too many times. Um, but it should be interesting to see how everything unfolds this evening, since the locker room uh, emptied last week. So. Uh, uh, thanks, Tony, for calling in. Uh, Tony is the best blogger in the business. He blogs each and every week on Raw, SmackDown, and Impact. Be sure to check him out on thekenreadyshow.com. Thanks a lot for giving us a call, Tony, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. All right. Take it easy, man. All right. It's interesting, you know, a lot of stuff going on with that, that story. I'm switching gears a bit from uh, the main storyline, stringing through uh, the TV um, you know, interesting stuff. And you go to WWE.com, uh, you know, they're they're leading towards something big is going to happen or we're going to see some uh, something interesting tonight. But uh, 
Brad Maddox tweeted this afternoon, as expected, many of the WWE roster are galvanized in an effort to confront what they consider to be an abuse of power. They they go on to uh, say that speculation is already beginning to build throughout social media as to whether competitors who took part in Monday's, quote, active protest, in which superstars stormed the ring and helped Daniel Bryan repel a Randy Orton and Shield assault, could turn into an all-out revolt against COO Triple H. Vicky Guerrero tweeted, That's funny, Brad Maddox. Everyone on my show is having a great time. Hashtag Raw, hashtag Cougar in Charge, hashtag SmackDown. Twitchy Usos also tweeted, The locker room is getting tired of, quote, What's best for business? At Stephanie McMahon, at Triple H, keep pushing us. We gonna push back. Hashtag Raw, hashtag Uso. So, a lot of stuff spinning about, a lot of uh, tweets going back and forth. They're using social media to facilitate the storyline as well as the TV. Um, I- I'm looking forward to something big happening. Some of the, uh, the COO, Triple H, is definitely going to uh, unleash some punishment tonight for those who uh, were involved in the active protest. But, uh, again, this is something, Dave, that's good because now we're, we have the Daniel Bryan thing. We have the Daniel Bryan is super over. Uh, in, in using his spot for being as over as he is, we've created some major heels in, in Triple H and uh, Steph McMahon and Randy Orton, you know, universally getting booed. And I think also it's worth noting that since we've kind of put the Shield in the mix here, the Shield is getting a lot of cheers. You know, they, they're kind of IWC darlings. Since this storyline with Daniel Bryan, the Shield is kind of getting universally booed. So we have, you know, some real true heels now being being made in this storyline. Now bringing some of the rest of the locker room into the mix uh, could serve to, you know, we talked about Ryback and how Heyman has breathed life into the characters. Um, you could see some, some characters getting some new life since they took place in this active protest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's obvious that tonight at some point the Usos are going to be handed some form of a punishment um, by the, the regime, uh, either by Stephanie or by Triple H. And it's quite ironic that, you know, last week they won a number one contenders match for a shot at the tag team titles at a, at a later date. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Triple H had – part of his punishment towards them is they're not going to get their title shot at the next pay-per-view like they would assume they would get. And another reason why I say that, too, is that there's a rumor going around that at the Battleground pay-per-view, there is talk of doing the Shield in a six-man tag team matchup against Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, Goldust, and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes in a six-man tag team match. So they might hold off the Usos title shot till the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Uh, I'm not sure, but that's just pure speculation and stuff that I've heard. Um but I like how, you know, we've talked about it on past shows. I want, you know, about the Usos and how talented they are and how much we'd like to see them in the mix. And in the past several months, since they've gotten involved with the Shield a little bit, they've been, they've been on television more and more. They've made a slow climb up the ladder and on television and a part of, the, you know, at the top of the tag team scene with the Shield, um, having some great matches. Like I said, I saw them in Brooklyn a couple weeks ago. I thought the the, the chemistry those two teams have is awesome. It's phenomenal. Um, it reminds me a lot of, 
you know, what you would see with, like, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardys, the chemistry that they had, um, you know, just early stages of it. Time will tell if they really get to that point, but I could see the Shield and the Usos getting to that. Um, and, it, and it gets, you know, younger, newer names on television, too, involved in a main storyline. I mean, Dolph Ziggler's was a part of it. Um, you know, the primetime players, they've been getting a lot of play on television, no pun intended, and, uh, you know, they were part of the the, the – the uh, the run in at the end of Monday Night Raw and then the gauntlet match, so it's it's good to see that some of the younger talent are stepping up a little bit and seeing them a part of this this corporate regime storyline. Um, I don't know if it's going to mean something bigger for them down the road or if it's, this is just to put them in this position to facilitate the storyline for other people even further. But I like to see the, I like the involvement of the Usos in this and uh, they have a shot with the shield at some point um, in the future. So that means that they're going to be a part of this in some small fashion. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk and we have, we've talked a lot uh, on this show about like wanting uh, the, the secondary and tertiary titles to, to mean more. And, um, you know, you kind of like, you think it's going to happen, then it doesn't, and you, you know, it, it, it's been tough, and we want to see these titles mean more, um, and we talked a little bit that it's interesting that, uh, uh, you know, AJ Lee has really done a nice job at actually, you know, giving the Divas title uh, some notoriety and actually giving that, that title some juice. The way they've built this right now, if they do it the right way, the Usos could be huge as tag team champs. They've, they've built them slowly for a while. They're a true tag team. They're not two singles guys stuck together. They're brothers. They they wrestle. They're great at that tag team style. So the day comes where they win those belts. Um, it, it's going to be a big deal. It's gonna We're going to see like those tag team belts really mean something. And I think what they've done with the Usos, building them has been great. Now, hopefully when and if they win the title, and then what happens after that with the Usos. Hopefully they do a good job there. But I like what they've done with the Usos, and I think they've done a good job at, you know, when and if they win that title for that title to matter. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. We're going to go back out to the phones. Here we go. I, I, I think this is Dank. Call you there. I'm here. How you doing, buddy? Good. How you guys been? Doing all right. What do you got for us tonight? Well, actually, I was going to um, talk about what you already brought up and um, go maybe one step further. Um, I do agree that the Usos are on a pretty – they're still riding the wave, and it's getting bigger every Monday. And I can see them going head-to-head with the Shield. My question is this. The way they left Monday night last week – you can't just have a group of misfits come out and rebel against the boss, especially somebody with history like Triple H. Somebody has to rise. Somebody has to become a leader. Who, in your opinion, would be a good leader that's not that has that charisma that people can get behind and I'm talking past Daniel Bryan because Daniel P- Bryan is the main player, but I don't think that he has like like that like follow me into battle charisma. And the two things that came to mind, two names, which I think if they played them well, 
could lead all the way to WrestleMania, Triple H versus this person. One's been done with, uh, and I was thinking, um, HBK. And the other one's a long shot, but you never know with Edge coming back for one last match where he leads the people that are not following Triple H and you get like this good versus evil battle going on somewhere in there. You got to play John Cena because he's going to be back eventually. But what do you guys think? Like, do you think that they should need a leader that can go head to head, even if it's just on the microphone, but go head to head with Triple H that can just stand out grab the torch and say, follow me to freedom? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, you know, all the stuff you hear, and I'm curious what you think, Dave. Um, you, you, I think Edge is a perfect candidate, but the stuff you hear is that he's just not getting back into the ring. Um, if he was able to have one last match, yeah, that guy's got the charisma to uh, have, you know, everyone lead, you know, him lead everyone into battle. Um now, I'm not sure if I'm willing to say that Daniel Bryan's not the guy. I mean, I get what you're saying, that it's almost like Daniel Bryan is, you know, he's he's a solo guy that's that's kind of been downtrodden, and he's not necessarily leading the charge, but the guy's kind of followed, so to speak. Like, they, they decided to stick up for him. Um, exactly. He's like, he's, like, he's like the captain, but even the captain needs, like, you know, a general. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. I, You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, when we're talking Triple H, and, and by the way, and, and we'll get into this spot a little bit, but uh, love the segment with Dusty Rhodes and that, that man, you know, and when you look at guys who can talk um, and you sit there and you watch wrestling nowadays, you're like, oh, this guy's a good talker, this guy's a good talker, and then you have one of the greats come and talk. You're like, yeah, okay, everyone else just, just sucks. You know, it's like he's so good, and that, uh, that segment was great. Um I almost wish that when uh, you know when Big Show goes back to his acting lessons, that someone tells him you know less is more. And if he didn't cry beforehand, the tears would have been great when he was wrestling with his, his demons on on you know whether or not he was going to punch uh, Dusty Rhodes. I thought it was a good segment. It was just kind of oh geez, he's crying again. But I I, I do think that. If I'm if I'm going with opinion, I agree with you. I think Edge would be a good candidate, charismatically speaking, to be that leader if he was able to have one last match. Um, when you're looking on what I think is going to happen, I do think eventually down the road we're going to see uh, Big Show and Triple H have it out in the ring. What do you think, Dave? Um, to answer your question, Dave, as far as somebody to be a leader, like like I agree with Ken, Edge is a good candidate. But here's the drawback of having a former guy come into a role like that. It makes the rest of the current talent that travels on the roster day to day look very inferior when they have when if they can't handle it from day to day that they have to bring one or two outsiders for that used to be a part of the company to 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 fend off the evil boss. I mean, it's good in theory to have something like that with with Edge to return. Granted, he can't because of, you know, his injuries, but at the same time, it also makes the other guys that they're trying to build up the ladder, the guys like the Dolph Ziggler's and the Miz and, you know, other names 
Well, I don't care about the Miz, but anyhow, you know, other guys and and build them up. You know, it makes it makes them look kind of bad in a way when you got to call in upon, you know, Edge to be the the, the the hero. It makes for a good story, but at the same time, it defeats the purpose of building up the talent. Um, you mentioned Shawn Michaels earlier. I will say this: Shawn Michaels used to train Daniel Bryan, um, and he's also best friends with Triple H. That's public knowledge. I see some sort of involvement in this math, um, in in this storyline between with Shawn Michaels, um, with Daniel, and of course going forward with Daniel Bryan and Triple H. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe if they do lead to a Triple H Daniel Bryan match at some point. Um, I'm not sure when that Michaels is the referee and he plays the conflicted guy, the kid that he trained for his best friend, and he's you know stuck in the middle, but he's the referee. You know that's how he he he's always gets himself caught in those situations, and they could add some sort of drama to that. Um, as far as being the guy that verbally stands up, I'm I'm, I'm picking this guy for two reasons. Number one, because I'm going with my instinct and I like the guy, and I think that this could be something that could get him out of the doghouse, and secondly, I'm just reading a tweet that he put up on Twitter about uh, 20 minutes ago, but Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler just wrote on Twitter, I'm used to being punished for outshining the chosen few at WWE Superstars. Maybe we can address that tonight. Hashtag Raw, hashtag Ziggler's better. So maybe... Dolph Ziggler is that guy that kind of goes, you know, word for word with Triple H and the regime. Um, you know, he's had some some things to say about Triple H um, and about Randy Orton. I made mention of last week on our show uh, that that has kind of put him in the doghouse a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, it could also be used for the storyline. Maybe Dolph Ziggler is that guy. Maybe they build to a Dolph Ziggler Triple H match um, down the line as well. Uh, Dolph, you know, Dolph was one of the first guys to speak out on Twitter when Triple H had aligned with Randy Orton after SummerSlam, saying, "I never liked the guy, I never trusted him." Maybe he's that guy. Maybe this is his moment where he's where he gets catapulted to that next level again by by associating himself in a feud with Triple H. Um, so those are my thoughts, and you know, to answer your questions um, on this current situation. Okay. Um, little side question, which I think you guys can have fun with this one, is when and where, at what point do you think it's going to cash in money in the bank? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I'm going to let you go. Thanks a lot for the call, Dan. All right, no problem. Um, Thank you. It's you know, Dave. It, it, this is cool, and it's it. I, Dank again. He's 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 great because he brings up good points, and this is one of the things that you know I was talking uh, with the producer of the show the other night. We were watching. Um, uh, SmackDown, and again, that whole idea of what they've done with this central storyline, you know, not too long ago, there was this whole, like, um, you know, Dolph Ziggler, when's he going to cash in, when's he going to cash in, oh, you know, come on, you know, and it was just kind of this, almost this frustration, like, and, and I know they're trying to build the drama, but, you know, as a fan, you're almost like, oh, just cash in already. It's interesting that everything else is working so well, it's another one of those ancillary storylines, this, this other storyline going on, that I'm okay with now. I'm not antsy for him to cash in. I'm 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 curious and I'm interested. I'm engaged by it, but I'm not annoyed that he still has the briefcase. I'm just kind of all right. This is cool. This is another thing. This is part of his character. It works for for his character. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point we do have like a you know a, a, a quick cash in or do we do we you know someone's gonna beat. Uh, 
Del Rio, and then we're going to have maybe a, a melee, and 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 then uh, Sandow comes down. Um, I don't think he's going to cash in on Del Rio, um, but it's it's been because of everything else that's been working. I think the the money in the bank has been great, and and I'm just to me it's like just kind of wait it out, find the right spot, and have him cash in then. Um, I think two I think two reasons. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you. I like how it's not a central focus, and we've kind of forgotten about it, and we're not, you know, breaking down walls, trying to, you know, hoping that they, that he catches in soon. I think a lot of that that you know that that us as fans and you know here on the show reason why. You know, we were like that last year is because there was a lot of stale stuff on WWE television uh, last year. And, uh, you know, granted, we were excited for WrestleMania season. However, you know, we were hoping for, you know, a little more excitement. And it didn't have as big of a feel to it, at least in my opinion. And we were just kind of hoping that maybe a cash-in would, would add some excitement to it. Granted, you know, you and I, Ken, we were both in, you know, in the Meadowlands live that night. Uh, when we witnessed Dolph Ziggler cash in the war, you know that world contract on on Del Rio, and the, the, like you said last week, one of the biggest pops you've ever been in you know a, a building for, and I would have to agree. Um, two things: I think if Sandow cashes in, it happens you know for two reasons. One, somebody's injured, and they need somebody to step up right away, and they need to kind of like they, they need to kind of put a jolt of of excitement. Back into back into the product that maybe been deflated if somebody had gotten hurt because I mean their their cash cow John Cena is is out right now and granted they have you know this this new takeover regime storyline and the and the Heyman Punk stuff they're the central focus of WWE television that it's been very intriguing and very compelling but if one of those guys goes down in one of those two storylines it's going to kind of take the air out of it a little bit so maybe they might say to Sandow okay we're going to have you cash in at this point now and kind of take the the attention off the fact that that particular person might possibly be injured that could be a reason that he could cash in or the second reason I think he might cash in I think he might do it the night after Wrestlemania and here's why it got such a strong reaction when Dolph Ziggler did it that they the company was so happy with it and the, and the old I mean the they got one of the highest ratings. The, the night after WrestleMania's Raw usually gets probably the highest rating of a Raw in the year. And it was no different this past year, especially with the Dolph Ziggler cash-in. I think that they might want to keep a tradition in some way where, you know, they not to expect Money in the Bank winner to, to cash in the night after WrestleMania, but there'd be a, a possibility or a strong possibility. You know, he has till July of 2014 to cash in. So they have plenty of time to map this out. But I think it's it, 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 this happens. My my firm and solid prediction is that he cashes in the night after WrestleMania, and it adds more excitement to that WrestleMania um you know, or that that raw the night after WrestleMania, which by the way, I reported a few months back there was a possibility that that Monday night raw would be held in the Superdome in New Orleans the night after WrestleMania. Now that's not gonna take place as I read um through an email through WWE through my travel package that Monday Night Raw will be taking place in the New Orleans arena the night after WrestleMania. So um but yeah, I stand out I'm predicting at night after either WrestleMania or the night after WrestleMania he's cashing it in. And the good thing is that whenever it happens, again, we're not like just it's it's not annoying, you know. It's not, and I know like there are a lot of fans, and and even we talked about it at times that it was like, all right, enough with the teasing it. 
Um, but I, I, I like this right now, and I like it being a, a part of his character. He got a little less than 30 minutes left until Monday Night Raw. I'm going to try to get – got a lot of people on hold, so we're going to try and get to each and every one of you. But right now we're going to go out to Mr. Trivia. He's on the line. Mr. Trivia, are you there? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. How are you? Yeah, uh, doing pretty good. Uh, just uh, tuned in. I was uh, I keep forgetting you're on Monday nights now, so I just tuned in and uh, listening to what Dave was saying, what Tank uh, was saying. You know, I think uh, this thing with the big slow is, uh, you know, I think it's getting a little bit out of hand, and I really think you're going to see him somewhere along the line battling with Triple H, and uh, I think it's eventually going to come down to the savior, so to speak, John Cena. Eventually, he's going to come back and probably, uh, you know, so supposedly right the wrongs of what's been going on as far as um, Triple H and Randy Orton, as far as, the, yeah, like I said, the thing with Triple H and Randy Orton. But uh, I'll tell you, they can, really, uh, they can really work up a good show. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I like, the way they, I like the way they play it out, you know, with, uh, like, the thing with, you know, the Dusty Rhodes thing. I mean, it was too bad. Big Show didn't want to do that, obviously, you can tell. But, uh is there a possibility we could see uh, the three Rhodes guys uh, teaming up somewhere along the line? Maybe Dusty coming back in a one-shot one match with Cody and Dustin, and if they win, Cody gets his job back? What do you think, Dave? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know how far, you know, back you've listened to tonight's show, but I said that there – I said earlier, you know, there was a rumor that – the um, at the battleground pay per view, the Shield would would face off against Cody, Dustin, and Dusty in a six man. Uh, it's just a rumor right now, just pure speculation. But um, I made mention of it. I mean, that's a possibility. Um, I will say this though, you know, the, the segment on Monday last Monday night between Big Show and Dusty and all that that was great. And like you said, Ken, if he held off a few episodes of the Waterworks, this would have been perfect for the time to, to, to bring the tears out because, uh, you know, it, it's publicly known Big Show has said on many, you know, occasions, you know, outside of the ring, Dusty Rhodes has been a huge influence on his career. Um, so, you know, it, if they played that, maybe they'll play up a little bit of that into the storyline this evening um, with, with, with continuing with Big Show. But, um, yeah, I, I love the segment. I will say this, Dusty's good on the mic. He, I mean, he's fabulous, but he kind of lost a touch a little bit. I will say maybe it's maybe it's with his age, but just my opinion, he seems a little off. Yeah, he's about. Uh, I, I remember when he came out in uh, last week and said that he was there not as Dusty Rhodes but as Virgil Runnels, and that was uh, that was that was a pretty interesting thing. And uh, I've always said before that I thought Monday Night Raw was a lot more interesting when Triple H and the McMahons got involved, and it is getting interesting to a certain extent where. You know, I'm sitting at the edge of the, at the edge of my seat, seeing what's going to happen next. And you know, I think the reason why you're going to see Cena come back is because Cena's. I mean, well, obviously he's going to come back. I mean, we all know that. But uh, it's going to be you know, Randy Orton, the face of the company. You know, when they want John Cena, when they made John Cena the face of the company for umpteen years, and now it's going to be one of these things where he's going to look at it and say, Randy Orton, the face of the company. No way, he's going to get back as soon as possible. And uh, this should be pretty interesting in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, Ken, did I uh, good? Did I read something on Facebook? Uh, something about uh, Mr. Savoldi passing away? Uh, yeah, Angelo Savoldi passed away uh, this past weekend. Oh, that's uh, that's a tragedy. He was a he was an uh, icon in the wrestling business. Uh, my sympathies to the Savoldi family. 
and uh, just wanted to, you know, call and give my things on uh, the big show and everything else, and uh, hopefully they'll have, uh, I'd like to see that match with him. Dusty hasn't been in the ring in, in ages, and, you know, I'd like to see how well it works out. Maybe you can get Cody his job back and see what happens leading up to Battleground. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think that this this aspect of the storyline is definitely uh, shaping up nicely, and uh, you know, who knows where they're going to go. I'm kind of hoping that you know it is the obvious choice that we see um, John Cena in some way, shape, or form come back as the as the conquering hero, and I'm not I'm not going to get involved in the you know Cena heel turn conversation, but I hope that in some way they bring him back in a different role if it's not a heel, but something else because I don't want to, I don't know, I, I just think that's that's way too obvious. Mr. Trivia, thanks a lot for the phone call. All right, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate the support. Another interesting thing with this, this road storyline, um, and I'm trying to remember because I saw it the, the other day, and it, it was it was Dusty or Goldust or, or Cody, and I don't remember which of them tweeted it, but they tweeted a a picture from the wedding, um, and it was something in reference like, you know, these people understand family or something to that effect. And it looked like one of the guys in the picture sitting at the table was Ted DiBiase Jr. Yeah, I would, saw that. Yes. Would it be interesting if we don't see a six-man tag with Dusty uh, being in that tag, but we see the two Rhodes kids and DiBiase comes back? Uh, which, again, as we're talking about breathing life into characters, um, you know, another second or third generation star uh, coming back, teaming up with uh, two brothers uh, to combat the shield. Um, do you see something like that working if they were able to go in that direction? That would be pretty cool because it would, it would Ted DiBiase Jr. would be a fresh face to television. A lot of people probably wouldn't even remember who he was. Um, or at least you know a younger uh, the younger audience wouldn't. Um, I would like to see it because uh, I think Ted DiBiase's got talent. He's got potential to be a, a, a big name in the wrestling business. But a lot of what I heard as to why he left didn't really have to do with the fact that he was kind of he was disappointed with with the creative process and how he was kind of you know put to the side and not used as properly as he you know as him and his father thought he should have been used. But I heard it was more or less that he had he just had a child. And his wife, you know, he, he, the time he did spend on the road was very difficult um, for his family being away from his newborn and his wife and his wife. But that's, you know, this is all stuff that I have heard. And even uh, Ted DiBiase Sr. has been quoted as saying is that he warned his kids, you know, it's going to be tough being on the road away from your family. If you have children, it's even, you know, it's ten times worse. And uh, he, he made mention in the reason why Jr. left was because of, you know, being away from his family. Um, and it wasn't as much of a um, creative differences with the company. But maybe for – it could be possible maybe for a one-off appearance. Maybe maybe they, maybe they would bring him back and in a role where he wouldn't – you know, he would replace Dusty and it would be Cody and Dustin and Ted. And if it works out really well, and maybe they would decide to bring him back and they would – use him better, you know, if if he were to want to come back and sign. I don't know. But I think it would be pretty cool if he did come back and they acknowledge the history that he has with Cody and Legacy and, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff. And from what I understand, the, Ken, that picture that you were referring to, that was taken at Cody's wedding um, from what I saw. Um, you know, uh, 
from the tuxedos, and it looks like it was at Cody's wedding. Uh, but, yeah, DiBiase Jr. in the fold, that would be pretty cool. And you could even play up if he were to return that, you know, you barely used me, you pushed me off to the side, I wasn't good for nothing, blah, blah, blah. You know, he comes back with a vengeance. He comes back with a purpose. And, you know, the, the, the Triple H regime is more or less, uh, you know, um, you know they're they're responsible for his decline and his downfall, and now you got a reason why he, you know, not only is his best friend was fired, but now you know he's back because he was mistreated. You know, so I think it, I think it would make a lot of sense. It would just all depend on if he'd want to come back or not. Yeah, and it's you know I mean, and you also got to think with with social media, with what is would that now all those reasons, and I heard those reasons too why DiBiase left. Could those have been just floated out there for the sake of? The storyline, uh, could it be an instance of, of blurring the lines and, and kind of throwing fans off the the track thinking that uh, that DiBiase could come back? I did find the photo, and it was Cody that tweeted it, and it's a picture of uh, both, both Rhodes kids, Dusty and DiBiase, and they're all sitting, and it does appear they're at the wedding, and the caption says, discussing what's, quote, best for business. Last name doesn't have to be Rhodes to understand. Hashtag Rhodes Dynasty. Interesting. I mean, when you think about, you know, even when they're saying hashtag Rhodes Dynasty, they have a limited run as a faction with uh, Dusty as a mouthpiece and DiBiase, Cody, and Goldust together in some way, shape, or form. Uh, do they just have, you know, Cody and DiBiase together? Um you know, it's something that, that could work. Again, like you stated, history between uh, Cody and, and Ted as well. So uh, lots of different ways you can go with that. Uh, I did find it intriguing when I saw that picture because, uh, I, I, I don't know, like part of me was just like that that can't be an accident. It can't be that uh, DiBiase being in that picture is is by accident. There's There's got to be something going on. Or it could just be reading, me being reading into a tweet. 347-838-9815. we got about 15 minutes uh, till Raw. Hopefully we're going to try and get to each and every one of you there on hold. But right now we're going to go right out to Mike. He's on the line. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Good. How's everything tonight? Doing all right. What do you got for us? All right. Tomorrow, tomorrow speaking of Triple H, his DVD comes out. And uh, it's very interesting. Thy Kingdom uh, Come comes out tomorrow, and uh, it's going to be outrageous. And the Undertaker is going to give an interview um, in it. And the Undertaker hardly speaks. Um, everybody knows when you know they do these interviews. He's never he never gives his opinion. And I I heard that he's going to um, do an interview for Triple H, and I think that's very good um, for the Dead Man. Um, and I wonder when he's going to come back and who he's going to go after. That's uh, a good that's, point. I mean, you know, a guy like, uh, you know, Taker, uh, I, I mean, it's amazing what they've been able to do with Undertaker's streak. And, and it's almost the, uh, you know, as soon as Taker gets done with WrestleMania, people start to speculate, all right, who's going to be next on the streak? And uh, I don't know, man. I mean, there's there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a few candidates, but, uh, you know, does he go after the Shield again after they put him out? Uh you know, I don't know, and you got to wonder where all these storylines are going to shape up. Uh, I, I'm at a loss as far as like where Undertaker could could be going. Uh, you know, it's amazing well, how this year Undertaker's is going to be looking for his brother. He's got to get Kane back from the Wyatts. 
Actually, yeah, so do you have uh, Taker versus uh, Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania? The weird thing about any of those is, like, you know, with, with the, the Shawn Michaels uh, two matches with the Triple H and then CM Punk, like, does does Taker versus Bray Wyatt or even The Shield have that, that same juice uh, that the past few years has had? Um, well, you know, perhaps, but uh, I don't know. What do you think, Dave? No, I don't think I don't think it has that kind of juice. I think there there are a few candidates I could see Undertaker going against. I if if The Rock were to come back in the fold, you know, Rock says he's done it all. Well, he hasn't done that. He hasn't done the streak yet. So they, that that can be very intriguing. Um, John Cena, another guy. Um, I, I mean, I can see him getting back into the fold of the the WWE title picture, or even as a part of the corporate storyline with Triple H. But uh, a match with him and Undertaker, a lot of wrestling fans want to see that, especially at WrestleMania. Uh, Brock Lesnar has been rumored. Um, Brock Lesnar and Undertaker has been rumored for years now, um, and, and that's another another possibility. But here's one: having the Undertaker get involved in this corporate regime storyline with Triple H. What if he did Undertaker and Randy Orton at WrestleMania next year? That would that would be I think that would be really I think that would be well worth it and I think that would also be good. Um and uh Randy Orton versus Undertaker Undertaker, uh you said uh it would be I think it would be good. I mean it was done already. I mean Oh yeah, I mean he's also faced Triple H three times. He's wrestled Kane twice. He's yeah, well, wrestled no, Shawn twice. I, I, I think I think we want to see new blood. I don't think we want to go back. I mean, I mean it would be good, but for the storyline, I, I, I think it would be. I, I agree with you. I think I think it would. I I, I do agree with you, Mike. I do think right. that new blood would be would be a lot better um, right. for Undertaker. But right. if uh, if it's going to catapult Orton even further into the into the stratosphere mm-hmm. of WWE, then. Yeah. Maybe him working under, you know, granted, when he worked Undertaker at WrestleMania 21, eight years ago, it was a very young Randy Orton. Randy Orton was young in the business, you know, two, three years fresh in. You know, this is a more seasoned Randy Orton, a a different Randy Orton, a darker Randy Orton. Something that him and, you know, this this is a Randy Orton that hasn't really experienced Undertaker um, yet. In, in this sense, so maybe this would be this to me at least it would be a fresh matchup because this is a different Randy Orton and it's a much different Undertaker too. But you know, right. seeing John Cena or Brock Lesnar, um, the Wyatts. I mean, I don't know, but after let, let me put it this way, like Ken said, it, I think it would. I think the Undertaker matches would kind of lose its luster if you put him in there with a younger guy who's got less experience. You put him in there with a seasoned vet, but it's still kind of fresh. Coming after CM Punk and then the two Triple H matches and the two Shawn Michaels matches, I think it, I think it would it would it would be much better, at least in my opinion. But you know, time will tell as far as that goes. Yeah, and uh, and also uh, also last week um, after I hung up, I heard Barbarian had some stupid remarks to say about about me and his ears bleeding, and then he disrespected you, Ken. Um, Barbarian for some reason likes to talk stupid and. You know, it's only a matter of time when, before I catch up to him because he he's an ex Navy SEAL, whatever he is, CIA man. He wants to talk about how he gets on a plane. Well, I can catch him. Well, I know today him and Steve Off are celebrating Steve Off's birthday at Chuck E. Cheese. So I want to wish Steve Off a happy birthday because I like Steve Off. But Bob Arian is, is 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 not my friend no more. He's a jerk, and and I and I don't like how he how he talks. 
especially to me, who I've never said a bad word about him. And then he came on your show disrespecting me, disrespecting you. He didn't disrespect Dave because he likes Dave, and I like Dave. So I guess two out of three ain't bad. But Ken, to tell you the truth, Ken, I always like you, pal, and I always will, and I'll always stick up for you. And the Ken Reedy Nation, I'm glad I'm a family member. And uh, let's just watch Raw tonight and enjoy it. And uh, I'll I'll speak to you guys next week. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Thank I, think, you. I think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to book that match at some point. We're gonna have to get Bob Arian and 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 Mike in the in the ring together. It's 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 time. Um, I, I don't know how many tickets we'll sell to that, but <laughs> I, I bet I bet you if it's like you know a medication on a pole match with, with <laughs> Bob Arian and Bob Arian and Mike Ferrara, and they got they got to fight who gets you know the. The, the Xanax or whatever they're taking, you know, <laughs> then, then then we might we might get a few a uh, few more bumps in ticket sales. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> and we need to come up with like some more creative uh, matches of, of putting things on a you know on a pole or or suspended from uh, the middle of the ring. We got this guy actually who works on Wrestling on Fire, who uh, he kind of, like they don't have White Castle in Maine, so when he comes down. He like he he seeks out White Castle and we're like we're gonna put him in a Crave Case uh, ladder match and have like the Crave Case suspended over over the <laughs> ring. <So. laughs> there's not a contract in there, but there's some nasty sweaty burgers up there. So. <laughs> oh yeah, well, my goodness. We're, we're still setting up like a, our our own wrestling promotion, medication on a pole match, uh, Crave Case ladder match. Uh, at least we'll sell two tickets. David and I will be there. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be commentating, refereeing, and the audience all in one. We might as well yeah, just get a green like, screen. Get it. The monster walked out on Triple H. We'll just be doing everything at that point. But uh, <laughs> I have to go off on a really weird tangent. Getting back to uh, our Monday night pregame show. So um, you know what? Before we get into what we want to see tonight, but I think it's important, very important. That you mark the tape, look at, like, just remember this moment right now on this September 23rd in the year of our law 2013 as we recap last week as we head into Monday Night Raw. This week, wait for it. I really liked what I saw out of Miz last week. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That's going to go as quite a shock to a lot of people. But I thought that he kind of played, you know, what they did with Orton was great. Uh, we want that old Orton, and I, we're getting a more vicious Orton now, uh, which is awesome. And and I, I think, uh, you know, Miz played like that part really well. I, he had quite a welt on his shoulder, so I, he may actually be hurt. But uh, that guy that was trying to fight back through adversity um, uh, uh, against a, a superior foe, um, I, I thought he, he worked that match pretty well. I, I was engaged. I thought uh, he did a lot to help uh, the vicious uh, Randy Orton assault. Um, I thought it was a good way to continue to build Randy Orton as this uh, top heel. Interestingly enough, did not know that Miz's parents were Paul Bearer and the Crypt Keeper. But... <laughs> 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 they look like Ben and Jerry from the Ben and Jerry's ice cream group. 
This is dad I was disappointed with because it looked like that guy had no charisma. And his son was essentially being murdered in front of him. And he just looked like he was fairly apathetic and bored with the whole thing. But I got to give kudos to Mrs. Mom. She had tears in her eyes. She looked visibly upset by the beatdown. I thought that whole segment worked. And it definitely, again, continued to build uh, this this sense of... uh, you know, Orton as this really vicious kind of heel. And I think now when we see Miz again, um, it, it'll give us something to, to root for, maybe not long term, um, but he'll get involved in this storyline a little bit. And uh, I, I thought that sequence worked. I'm curious how long they're going to keep Miz out. Um, but I kind of liked the whole thing. It served a few purposes. One, to really, you know, get how much of a bastard Randy Orton is to the audience um, and really kind of bring that, that mean streak back and, and light a fire under his ass, um, you know, from his orders of, you know, from Triple H and Stephanie in, in the storyline. The other thing, too, is, you know, I, I had made mention of it uh Last week, I believe, on the Facebook page that there had been talk of the babyface experiment of one Miz is uh, running out of time, and they're thinking about turning him back to a heel. And uh, it just so happens they were in Cleveland last Monday night, so I think the timing was kind of good that we saw, um, you know, this this angle take place because it kind of – it doesn't breathe new life into the Miz character, but like you said, it might give us something – to, to root for him, you know, when he does come back and try to get his revenge either on Randy Orton or on the Triple H Stephanie regime. Um, but it helped that it was in his hometown and, you know, it, it got, you know, it got some sympathy cheers from him as well as, you know, it drew some good heat on Randy Orton that they, that he mauled and massacred the hometown boy in front of his parents. Granted, his father may have not done a great job with the dramatics and selling the, the effects of the beating that his son took, but his mother certainly didn't. And also, if you notice, too, during that beatdown, you know, they had the camera at his father a couple of times, and they realized that his father wasn't, you know, wasn't playing the part. They kind of switched over to mom, and then she was the one that really played the part. And they kind of didn't – they didn't have too many close-up shots of his old man um, when when they would show back his parents, um, you know, being upset at the, the the effects of the beating that he had taken. But overall, I thought it was a good segment, and um, I think it will lead to, uh, you know, eventually Miz coming back at some point and trying to get his revenge. Um, or it may even lead to a heel turn. Maybe he'll be like, well, you, you, my hometown, they let this happen to me, and, you know, you people, you didn't care about me, and you, you let me, you know, fall victim to the Randy Orton Triple H regime, and I was just another pawn, and maybe that'll turn him heel. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Miz will be involved in the mix somehow, some way. Or, you know, like, as, as you mentioned that, you know, how'd you like, you know, what if he, he does something where, like, you know, the the whole roster came out and saved Daniel Bryan? Oh, yeah, I, exactly. I, I was in the same situation. You left me out there. That's true. That was very, that's know, a that, good that's point. The, I, I mean, it was the same exact situation, and they basically let it happen to the Miz. So that's something that, uh, you know, and, and just pick and choose who you want him to go after. I mean, you could have short-term uh, he comes out and he's he's after uh, Randy Orton, but you you could have him just pick pick one of the people that ran out and helped uh, Daniel Bryan. RVD, Dolph Ziggler, you know. Yeah. I mean, God damn it, you're a genius. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. Where where did I find you? <laughs> I, I think uh, your brothers. 
It's their oh, that's fault. right. Yeah, I, I had siblings that searched Arizona. you out in the desert, Arizona. <laughs> Amazing. This was all born in Arizona. But, uh, they, they, yeah. saw, they, saw, they saw genius next to a cactus, and they said, yep, that's ours. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think you can go in that direction. I agree. I mean, Miz, Miz is look, not a big fan, but when, when he's when he's right, he's he's just good at being obnoxious. I mean, that's his thing. And, uh, you know, trying to do the face thing, trying to play up to the crowd, trying to do it, – it, it really, really does not work uh, for for his character. So, uh, you know, hopefully this will lead to a, a a heel turn or something different. I mean, you know, out of all the great stuff we're talking about, I mean, that, that dance contest when he was, uh, what, Disco Mizferno? I, I mean, that was – that was downright embarrassing. So um, the one you know, where he split his pants and his yam bag was showing. Yeah, yeah, I tried to block that out. Yeah. But anyway, in the last two minutes of this show, our second Raw pregame. Uh, what are you looking forward to tonight, Dave? I'm looking forward to seeing where, where this storyline with the with the guys that helped Daniel Bryan. Um, you know, we'll see how that evolves. What kind of backlash you're going to get from Triple H and what going to happen with Big Show after what he did with Dusty Rhodes in the Shield and uh, the, the, the punk Ryback stuff. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes, especially since it's going to be in Chicago and the crowd's just going to be hot for the whole show as it is. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely that. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. The the CM Punk Heyman Ryback uh, saga. Very interested to see where exactly. Uh, that goes and how they play it off and do they do they do the obvious and do what they can to get CM Punk CM Punk a big pop or do they go the other direction and try and garner uh, some more heat on on Heyman and and especially Ryback and and that's really I'm curious where they're going to go with that I would love to see the show open with Punk's music hitting and then Heyman and Ryback uh, wind up coming out. Uh, that I'm really interested in, and you know, honestly, I'm really interested to see where the evolution of uh, Randy Orton continues. Uh, do we see him uh, destroy someone else uh, as they continue to build this vicious viper? Um, do we see something else heinous out of uh, Randy Orton tonight? And I'm really curious to see where they're going to go with that. And those are the things I'm really looking forward to tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, the grand raw pregame show experiment is underway, and, and and I'm really liking it so far. So thank you all for calling in. For those of you who are on hold for a while, we didn't get to you. Apologies. Try to get to everyone next week. For Dave, I'm Ken Reedy. It's raw time. Take your TVs, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. <laughs>